Sheila, um, which is uh, something that really helps her out. Um, we have sermons in the back um, for you if you are hard of hearing, and we have restrooms there and snacks there if you need them. We have sign-ups for volunteer leadership in this service. We've made a lot of progress in signing up volunteer leaders uh, for, the, uh, for the coming year. Um, if you want poinsettias, you can get them from the sanctuary today. We have a couple left, and if you'd like to take them home with you, you can. Um, in terms of faith development, this a week from today starts our Sunday night programming. Uh, at 5 p.m. we'll have dinner. Um, the kids will have uh, uh, mission time with Miss Katie. They'll have music with Miss Cindy. Uh, the youth, uh, all of youth programming is now going to be focused on Sunday night uh, with Paige. If you have not uh, received that email from her, make sure you let her know. She's laid out what's going to happen this semester. And if you want... Um, uh, a certain passion, if you want total knowledge, if you want practical, helpful information in terms of Bible study, I would encourage you as adults to come and listen to the McQuaids. They are um, entirely different the way the two of them teach, um, but total fun, and I encourage you to do that. Um, mission and service, the Redbird Mission Prep is underway, and Daryl Rishforth is a contact. He's out of town um, today, but um, it's something that they do in Kentucky to truly help the people in that area and uh, not only changes their lives, but changes your life. Uh, it's very helpful um, for you to participate in that if you would like, and you can talk to Daryl about that. In terms of generosity, um, if you'll note the event that's for Kim Doby. Um, she's one of our members. She was an educator in this area for a good while, and um, there's an event being held at, um, what's, um, uh, it's too much information. What's the large church, the large Baptist church? Fairview, apologize. Um, uh, an event being held for her, a meal, and the majority of the proceeds of the meal go to help Kim. So if you'll note that um, uh, information in your bulletin. Is that enough? Have you all heard enough? That's enough announcements. Uh, let's begin our worship service. Please stand and sing with us. You're all 
Thank you for this morning, uh, for bringing us here again. Um, thank you that we can come and worship you freely without fear of persecution, Lord. And thank you for the new year. I uh, pray that this year, more than any other, that we'll glorify you um, and seek to, to do that in our daily lives. Um, Lord, please speak through Joe this morning. Um, let him be a, a vessel for you uh, so that we hear your voice. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Neighbor and children come forward. Good morning. The last time I saw some of you, it was last year. I know, that's a really bad joke. It's not really a joke, it's just a statement. Okay, so guess what? What? Okay, so today and the rest of this month, Pastor Joe is going to talk about something so important. Do you know what he's going to talk about? You guys? He's going to talk about the people that are mostly shorter than me, and he's also going to talk about the youth who are mostly taller than me. Um, 
And do you know why that's so important? Do you know? Do you know why? So, do you know why you are so important? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, let's start off with a maybe a better question. Do you know what it means to make a promise to someone, or do you know what it means when somebody makes a promise to you? Jackson, you do. What does it mean? You don't break it. That's a really good, good explanation of anybody else a promise. Okay, well, um, one of the things that you can think about a promise is that when somebody makes it, you can expect that that promise, what they say, um, you can expect it to happen. Um, so do you know that a lot of you and our children and our youth, the congregation has made a promise to you? Okay, wait a minute. What's a congregation? Do you know what a congregation is? No? Ryan doesn't know what a congregation is. Anybody else? You know what a congregation is? Okay, turn around. Turn around. And wave to everybody out there. Okay, that's part of our congregation in the church. All of the people. So it could be your parents, aunts and uncles, grandparents, friends, people you don't know, people you do know. They're all part of our congregation, which is part of the body of Christ. Ooh, that's a crazy phrase. Okay, so our church makes a promise, for example, when a baby is baptized. Now, Ryan and Bailey were baptized here. I don't know about, um, I wasn't here every single day, so I have no idea about everybody, but um, Ryan's dad and I and the people in the congregation made a promise to Ryan and Bailey when they were baptized, and that was that um, that we would help bring you up in a way that you knew what it was to have God's love and that we would show you what that meant. And that's in a nutshell. So um, all that being said, prayer is one of the things that we promised. We promised that we would pray for you guys. Isn't that cool? Yeah? Awesome. Well, so all the people in the church have said that they're going to pray for you guys and um, help be a part of you growing up in the church and knowing God's love. And that is pretty, pretty awesome. And it's a big promise. Okay? And you can expect for that to happen. All right? Can you guys pray, uh, pray with me? All right. Ready? Dear God, thank you for your promise of love. And for Jesus, thank you for our congregation and help us to show your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
We are asked to pray for baby Nola, who is still critical after birth two months ago. Addison Oliver is a, a baby in a CEP family that we have. Is she's the third child and um, has had uh, pneumonia. It's been in Spartanburg Regional and uh, it's getting better every day and could potentially come home today. And uh, the family, the friends, the uh, seemingly entire community uh, in the loss of Conrad Robertson. I'm not sure how, if all of you know, but he passed peacefully uh, yesterday morning. Um, it's, been, um, it's been a long journey for Conrad. And uh, Conrad and Beanie have defined uh, a lot of my first six months here in terms of pastoral care. And so um, I, th I think we all feel joy uh, that he doesn't feel pain anymore, but I think we feel intense pain um, because we don't have him anymore. Um, the service is tomorrow at 3 p.m. in the sanctuary. We're going to have a visitation before in the social hall. I believe we'll end um, 30 minutes before the worship service, uh, maybe 15 minutes before. So if you want to come before and visit with the family, you can. And we'll leave um, from the sanctuary to go to Woodlawn, um, which is on the way to Greenville on 29. Um, so um, you're certainly invited to come and, and celebrate the life of Conrad tomorrow. I think there's going to be some um, very tearful and joyful uh, stories shared about him. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for new life and the total fragility of it. We just don't have a concept very often of how difficult it is uh, for our bodies to fight off this world and sickness. We pray for your presence. We pray that we may be your presence. And as we may not get physical healing, we ask for spiritual healing. We ask for the healing of our relationships. We ask that you help us to be your hands and feet, your ears, your comforting words to families who are experiencing illness and loss. Help us this month, Lord, as we discuss the commitments that we make to our children and youth. Help us to understand your promise to us, your covenant with us first before we ever did anything and our amazing opportunity to respond. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever. Amen. So last week at 11 o'clock, um, we had a baptism, which was total fun. Uh, baby was tiny and wrinkly and friendly. And um, the thing that I love about United Methodist uh, theology and um, practical worship is that we make promises routinely in all of our liturgy to focus on prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. 
the family makes a promise on behalf of the infant being baptized, but they're not in it on their own. Who else makes a promise in the midst of that worship service? The congregation does. We also had uh, uh, Brian, the dad, joined our church. He made a pledge to give his prayers, his presence, his gifts, his service, and his witness. Who else makes that pledge? Who else affirms it? The congregation did. And so I thought, you know, I know that sometimes we read it and we mean it, and I know sometimes we just read it. And so I thought this entire month, we're going to focus on that promise that we make by picking out a word a Sunday. And um, the 31st is a combined service. It's in here. It's at 10 o'clock, and children and youth uh, will take over a good bit of it. And it'll be that fifth word that's been added in our discipline, which is witness. Witness to others, all these things, that, uh, these amazing things um, that we have done. So today we're talking about the promise of prayer. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites... For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So here's your first phrase that goes with the text. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is um, setting the tone. This is what we are going to do. This is what we're going to say. This is what we're going to believe. This is what we're going to um, show these people who have done religion a good bit in their lives but haven't truly experienced it. Or show these people who haven't had much religion in their lives because they've been told they can't what this means to us. And so in the mission statement of what Jesus is going to be, who he's going to be, and how he's going to be, he includes a large block on prayer. This is how we're going to pray. And the first thing he does is he says, step out of the spotlight. Um, I remember vividly being intimidated to pray while in seminary. And we had to do it all the time. And so you think of um, the times you've been asked to pray in worship and when you've been intimidated by it. I, I was praying among people who were preparing to pray among people. And many of them had had a religion uh, undergrad building up to coming to seminary. I had a history undergrad. Many of them had gone to Christian colleges. I went to a college that helped me do what I needed to do, but... Um, I heard many, many unchristian things um, just about every day. Um, frankly, I said unchristian things from time to time. And so it couldn't have been more of a dramatic shift from my undergraduate to my graduate degree. And they were back to back. I graduated in May, went in September. Some of them, I'm certain, were faithfully praying when they prayed in, in flowery language. And I think some of them thought, well, we're amongst people who are praying. I need to, you know, pray like this. Jesus is saying it, do, it doesn't have to be complicated, and it doesn't have to be public. 
You can pray in private. You can pray for God's will. He says, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So here's your second phrase. This made me smile when I typed it. It made me smile when I look at it. Um, I know that you know that I know. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, when our children come out and they ask us for something, there's not a new thing, typically, that they're going to ask us. And typically, the time of day dictates what they're going to ask us. And typically, past one minute past the time that we've established that it's bedtime, they're going to come out and they're going to ask for two or three things. And what they're going to do when they come out is they're going to set it up with a bunch of flowery language of love or adoration or some sort. It's something crazy. And you're looking and you're going, okay, I, I know what you want. And I know why you want it. And I know whether it's a good idea or not. And I knew it when I heard your footsteps on that long hallway that we have in our house. I knew it. So you can get to it, if you like. And I want you to consider the fact of, are you asking for something for you, or are you asking for something for all of us, for the betterment of all of us. The philosophy of our family is not complicated and does not change. If you ask the girls, they have a pretty decent idea of what we're about and what we're doing. And when they're asking for something, they know for certain whether it's within the boundaries of our philosophy at this time on this day. But yet they'll go ahead and ask for it. So he sets it up and says, um, don't do this. Now that you're not doing this, let's talk about what you should do. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy, your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's look at these words that are right here. Hallowed be your name. Anybody got a concept of what that means? Or do we just say it? You're holy. You're set apart. Um, in fact, the people who have worshipped you for so long were in large part unwilling to even say your name because you were so holy. We say it quite frequently, and at times we say it in very unholy ways. This prayer is setting the standard. You are holy and you are set apart. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So an obsession of getting into heaven, either whether it's me or whether it's my child or whether it's my nephew or whether it's my neighbor, does that phrase have anything to do with that? The... The kingdom is a future reality for certain. And we believe in heaven and we hope for it. We strive for it. But the kingdom is a present reality. Right here. We don't say, well, um, when I don't have to work anymore, when I don't have bills anymore, when I don't have children anymore, when I don't have that neighbor who blows his leaves on my lawn anymore, 
then I will be friendly. Mm-mm. And we don't say, you know, when we get to heaven, I'm going to be amazing because I'm not going to have any of that stuff. We're saying right here in the midst of this stuff, your will be done. Your kingdom come right here, now, in what we're doing and what we're saying on earth as it is in heaven. It's already in heaven, but let's strive for it to be on earth. So what, what I love about that, if you bring it back to that same image of the children coming around the corner and them saying, Father, your philosophy be done. <laughs> Everything that you hope for, I, I, want, I want to see you do it, and I understand the great concept of what you're talking about, but I want to do it too. I want to see them come out and say that at 931. Father, your will be done. Right? How would saying that first impact what they were going to say after that? Because could you say that and then ask for something entirely for you? Could you say that and ask for something that's entirely against everything we've ever said or ever done? Not likely. Let's look at the next one. Give us today our daily bread. Because, I mean, the, the, not, the line that's not there is because we are very much prone to doing what the guy did with the storehouse. He had a great storehouse. He had a great crop. He was so excited. It was better than even the storehouse that he had. So he thought, oh, sweet, I need to build an even bigger storehouse. Going completely against the scripture of, you know, farm, work hard, get what you need, give away what you don't, so that people who don't have it may be able to eat. Give us today our daily bread. Versus, could you give us a little bit more of everything because we're concerned about today and who even knows about tomorrow? Can I have some more for tomorrow to make sure I have enough for tomorrow for me? That's the tendency. Um, I... Honestly, I've been in ministry long enough and I've shared enough illustrations that I forget which one I've shared with which people. But I've gone to, uh, we used to be members of the Croc Center. It's in downtown Greenville. It's like a Y, pool, gym, whatever. So the kids are playing in the pool. They're having a great time. No concern at all. And then for some strange reason, I guess because this person does not have children, this teenager was like, you know what we ought to introduce here? A ball. Let's put a beach ball in here. He gets a beach ball and he throws it into the pool of kids having total fun. Kid pops beach ball, pops it up, and another kid pops it up, and then this kid catches it and runs with it because he wants the beach ball. I don't, I don't want any of y'all to have the beach ball. I want the beach ball. Then somebody's upset that they don't get to have it, and they're like, oh, I want the beach ball. And they're going, he got the beach ball. This kid doesn't want to share it because he might lose it. He wants it for him, and he wants it right now, and he wants it for the future. Beach, I'll never see a beach ball again without thinking of that crushing day where that teenager ended all joy of children playing in a pool when what was intended was for them just to have fun with it. That's all he wanted. Give us today our daily bread. 
That's setting the standard, the tone, for the fact that I am not going to stockpile and ask for even more. Twelve. Forgive us our debts as also have as we have also forgiven our debtors. Because our tendency is to what? Well, there's a story of a guy who owned a tremendous debt. He goes to the um, person that uh, controls that debt. He says, I'll never have enough money, but if you'll let me go, I'll, I'll get as much money as I can, and I'll give you as much money as I can every day for all of eternity, making all kinds of promises. The owner of the debt says, you know what, I'm going to forgive you. You know, his posture's going in that building's like this. His posture coming out of that building's like this. He goes out of the building, pops the doors open, he goes down the steps, he sees a guy who owes him a dollar. Chokes him out. Give me what you owe me. Why? Oh, because mine, you know, mine should have been forgiven, but this guy, no way you should forgive this guy. That's our tendency. If we were to be forgiven by God the way we forgive, oh my. This is my, hey, I forgive, but I don't have to forget. I mean, that's one of our favorite phrases. What does that mean exactly? We struggle with that. Forgive us. 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why do we need to say that? Because we love shiny, unhealthy, expensive, scary, hurtful things that will harm us. Why do we love those things so much? I guess they're a distraction. If we can strive for something, this thing that we want, then we can distract ourselves from the things that we feel. Of course, a number of the things that we feel are pain uh, and agony over relationships. We have pain and agony over relationships in many cases due to lack of forgiveness or because we've had some sort of argument about resources. Right? You see where this prayer is going? It's tough, this human life. We love shiny, unhealthy things that will harm us. So I love um, uh, Abraham Maslow. I, remember, I forget when I learned about him first, um, but I've used his uh, pyramid of needs a number of times. This is a quote. He's a um, humanistic psychologist. Y'all know what that is? I'll read you the quote and then I'll tell you. The fact is that people are good Give people affection and security, and they will give affection and be secure in their feelings and their behavior. A humanistic psychologist is um, what he decided was people who were going to psychologists were only people who were drastically broken and not really going to get much help, but maybe get a little help. He said, what if I were to help people who were fairly healthy? Help them understand how they can live and love. And this is what he said. 
what does this quote have to do with youth and children in our church? Are you kidding me? If we give them affection and security, they will give affection and be secure in their feelings and their behavior. If children and youth are secure in their feelings and their behavior, they might be willing to share something. They might be willing to say something. They might be willing to give of who they are to their group. If we don't give them those things, conversely, they'll hold it in. They'll learn like adults to keep everything we have tucked deep inside, not to share it, to feel that difficulty, and to go chase shiny, unhealthy, scary things in order to deflect it. What can we do as a church to encourage this? So um, uh, let's look at uh, Maslow's needs. I know this is going to be harder to see in the back, but I just want you to see the triangle. So he said, this is the way you build um, human beings up. The first thing you give them is physiological. That's the bottom. Things, sleep, water, food. The second thing you give them is safety. The third thing you give them is love and belonging. If they have all three of those things, they can potentially work on esteem. And my goodness, if they have that fourth one, they can work on self-actualization, learning. You ever see a person that they just, it, it, they're just not trying to get better and they seem to have a hard attitude and you seem to be difficult to deal with and you think, why is this person like this? Well, they're probably struggling with this pyramid in one way or another. More often than not, we think, can you just stop being that way? Can you just be friendly and easy and do the things that I want you to do without a whole lot of pain? But more than likely, they are struggling with one of these aspects. Can we fix the planet? No. Can we fix Greer entirely? Uh, we're going to struggle to do that. Can we work on encouraging our church to have these particular things to encourage our children and youth? Absolutely. Verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's piercing. That's painful to hear. Um, when you hear someone say, I take the Bible seriously. And you see that person truly struggle with forgiveness. They may read it seriously. When we look and we say, what are we doing to encourage these things and what are we doing to discourage these things? We may be troubled. So if we are promising Every time we have a new member, every time we have a baby as a congregation, we promise to support you with our prayers. I want you to think about the fact that you have made that pledge to pray for our children and our youth. You think to yourself, oh, how in the world do you pray for children? Oh, I don't want to pray. Especially don't make me pray in public. If you make me pray in public, you'll never see me darken these doors again. Well, how did he lead it off? It's not complicated. 
doesn't have to be extravagant. He says, your father knows what you want. And if we started our prayer, your will be done. Your kingdom come. We will pray for our children and for our youth to have an amazing place here where they can learn about the grace, the power, the love of God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we call when we need something. And we know it. And we apologize. Help us, Lord, to open lines of communication, not with a wish list, but with a desire to further understand your will, your love, your purpose, your forgiveness. Bless us as we gather at your table, which you have invited us to with grace and peace. And encourage us, poke us, smack us, to help us to remember to pray for our children and youth in this church that they will not be our future, but our very present this second. The cutting edge of teaching your people your love. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our affirmation. I want y'all to read the phrase with me so it's not ironic. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you to remain standing as you're able for the communion liturgy. If you'll read the bold text. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners.
That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray for our offering. Heavenly Father, you've given us an abundance. And for that, we are grateful and we feel a tremendous sense of responsibility. We ask that you help us to give with our time, with our talent, with our treasure to this community. We ask that you use our offering to impact those around us in every way possible in your name. Amen. If y'all will stand and show each other signs of reconciliation and peace. Please be seated. We will now give our tithes and other offerings. baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy and I just want to sing a song to you it goes like this the fourth the fifth the minor fall the major lift with every breath I'm singing hallelujah hallelujah by night to see this baby wrapped in light 
a host of angels led them all to you. It was just as the angels said, you'll find him in a manger bed, Emmanuel and Savior, hallelujah, hallelujah. Get talented musicians. We're just we're just one step away. And a really special service here. I'm grateful for y'all. I'm going to call John and Kathy up. I want y'all to meet John and Kathy from that. Uh, they are retired clergy from the Illinois Conference, and they are part of a enormous group of retired clergy that I am stockpiling here. <laughs> Couldn't be happier that y'all are here. We're grateful. Um, all of them have different skill sets, participate in different ways, and they are going to serve communion with us this morning, along with two of our band members. On that night, Jesus took bread, a simple, simple element. And he made it entirely significant for those people. He took this simple bread and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the dinner, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and he said, take and drink. 
This is my blood which is shed for you. A blood of a new covenant, a new promise, a new opportunity for all of you to share. He had them all at his table despite their weaknesses with him and despite their weaknesses after he was gone, he invited them to come and to participate. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. In this service, we serve by intention, meaning you'll come forward, we'll come towards the middle and uh, go this way. If you'll come with your hands uh, cupped, um, they'll hand you a piece of bread. You'll dip the piece of bread into the cup, and then you may eat it and return to your seat for a time of silent prayer and reflection. Should you eat the bread, don't panic. We'll hand you another piece of bread. And again, anyone who wants to come forward or, uh, is welcome to do so. Uh, so I invite you to come. In fact, I'm going to uh, put one of you here and one of you here. And you come here.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for inviting us to your table. Help us to invite others in your name that your kingdom may come. Amen. Please stand for our final song. Thanks to the Lord for His love never ends. 
And all the people said amen. And all the people said amen. Whoa, whoa. And all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. <laughs> I love to worship with y'all. Y'all are fun. We pray for our children and youth that the kingdom of God may come in this place in our name in the way that we do it for God, for memorial, for this community. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you. Amen. Great week, everybody.